Hallelujah. If you would, thank you, Jesus. If you would allow me the space for the next few weeks, I want to speak to you on a particular subject as it relates to us being stewards. As it relates to us being stewards. And so, I need to just lay out some realities that we can embrace because I feel the Holy Spirit wanting to really shift somebody's identity in this room. As believers, there's really really only three things we can end up becoming. In my many years of Christian life and leadership, I have come to find that uh, we are prone to become one of three things. We'll either become a thief, a counterfeit, or a steward. Wow. I promise it, it'll make sense. Just, just give me a few moments. A thief. I don't, don't turn to your neighbor and say, you a thief. <laughs> I felt that rising in somebody's spirit. Don't do that. Don't do that. But listen to this. A thief is one who does not consider their own worth or value. Therefore, they steal things with tangible value in hope of adding intrinsic worth to their lives. Lord, you're going to end the year with this kind of content? Okay, thank you, God. A thief is one who does not consider their own worth or value. Therefore, they steal things with tangible value in hopes of adding intrinsic worth to their lives. And you thought they was just a klepto. You thought it was just things and stuff. No, the reality is, is that many times because I am, listen, if I am not made aware of my true value or worth, I will steal so that I can have things that I can account for their value and worth so that I can have it so hopefully it can add value and worth to my life. This is why I need to encourage every one of you, especially you parents, especially those you godparents, aunties, uncles, those who have voice in the life of young people. You need to take as one of your most paramount responsibilities to speak value and worth over them. You need to let them know how important they are, how valuable they are. You need to esteem them highly. Why? Because you are instilling worth and value into them so that as they rise and they become adults, as they become spiritually mature individuals, they will know their worth so they will not become thieves. Don't be a thief. But not only can we become thieves, but we also can become counterfeits. A counterfeit who is, who is one who is fearful of and jaded by the process of seed time and harvest so they try to manufacture gifts graces callings and even the anointing for the sake of being considered something that they don't have the patience to become I'm a counterfeit because I don't want to waste the time becoming it 
I'll just fabricate it. And I'll fake being it. So that by some means, people will see me and they will at least be fooled by my actions. Because we can sound anointed. We can, hey, we, we got that, eh, you know, we got that, oh, I'm saved. You know, we got to get the whole Mr. Brown thing. Just get a Tyler Perry DVD. You can, you can actually learn the anointing. But when you have to pay a cost, don't nobody care about the counterfeit money in your wallet until you got to pay a bill. And many of us, we have been allowed to get away with our counterfeit behaviors. But when we have to start paying cost in life, now we're wrestling because the individuals that we have to pay for the next level in life are beginning to scan our proverbial bills and beginning to understand that all that stuff you was acting like in church. All that stuff you was posting on Facebook. All them inspirational Instagrams. We're counterfeit. We don't, we don't want that. Don't be a counterfeit. But rather, we ought be stewards. A steward, on the other hand, is one that bears uh, on themselves the mark of ownership. They bear on themselves the mark of ownership and their very life and existence is proof of their value and worth. For it is with his own life does their owner secure their purchase. Hear me. I, we, if we are going to be stewards, we have to bear on our person the mark of ownership. So we cannot walk around as if we own ourselves. Hallelujah. But we have to realize that our life is not our own. You sang the song. To you I belong. I give myself, right? So we then begin to come to the understanding that we bear on ourselves the mark of ownership. And our very life and our existence is proof that our value and our worth is from our maker. Because he paid for it with his own blood. I'm not valuable because I can do something. I'm valuable because God decided to give his life for me. Your value is in the fact that you're alive. And if you woke up this morning, it means that God had a reason for you to be alive. So I want to liberate you from the thief mentality. I want to liberate you from having to steal things for, to try to find worth and value in your life. I want to liberate you from the counterfeit mentality. To trying to fake your grace, fake your anointing, fake your gifting, fake your calling. You don't have to do that, family. I'm sorry for the years that you've had to live in an oppressive Christianity that told you you had to do something to earn God's love, that told you you had to show up and have attendance. 
He loved you before you even loved yourself. He loved you before you knew yourself. He loved you before you act lovable. And so you have to embrace the fact that you must now no longer be a thief, no longer be a counterfeit, but rather be a steward. And so if you're going to tap something on your body, you ought to make it clear that you belong to God. If you're going to put something in gold and ray it around your neck, you ought to make it clear that you belong to God. If you're going to brand yourself as somebody, brand yourself as one who belongs to the almighty God. First Corinthians chapter four, verses one and two. So we talked about the thief and how that individual, because they don't know their worth, they steal things to hopefully gain intrinsic worth. We talked about the counterfeit who, because they don't want to deal with the process of seed time and harvest, they will, in fact, uh, manufacture things so that they can seem as if they got it already. We're not them, but we're going to be stewards because we bear the mark of our owner. And we recognize that our very existence, our very life right now is proof that we are worth something because he paid for us with his own life. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required that stewards or they be found faithful. Amen. A couple of simple points and I'll let you go. Number one, we need to build ourselves through service and not status. Paul says, now this is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, if you're going to regard me as anything, regard me as a servant. You will find your place in God through your service. If you try to find place in God through mounting a status your position will be hollow at best. Because as all of us who hang out on Facebook know, statuses change. Hallelujah, somebody. Statuses change. You, your, your status could change from season to season. And so sometimes if we allow our Christian faith, if we allow our Christian service to be based on status, then we will find ourselves volatile. So allow yourself to be built through service and not just status. What has God called you to do? Because I want to be honest with you. God gave you a service before he gave you a status. God will put something to your hands to do. God will, God will give you a burden for somebody. God will, God will send you in a direction before he ever gives you a throne. And so you have to ask yourself now as a believer... Regardless of what ministry I'm in, regardless of, of, of what, what, what skill set I have, God, what have you called me to do? How have you called me to serve your kingdom? Because every one of us can find ourselves in service. 
Here's the amazing thing. When you study the great men and women of the Bible, they never start doing what they're called to do. They always start doing in a more menial place. Joseph starts as a maid servant. And he ends up second in command in Egypt. But the reality is he was always that second in command in Egypt. Even when he was cleaning Potiphar's house. Even when we, he, he was cleaning in the prison. Joseph was always who God called him to be. But the thing that fortified and positioned him for the status was his service. And we cannot miss preparing ourselves for our status through our service. Because some of us were too excited about the status. And so we bypass the service. And then wonder why our status is hollow. I have to talk with young guys all the time and some of them they're running from me now. Don't run from me. You know I've been trying to call you. Here's the reality. Your status, if it is not concretized by service, it will be shallow and hollow. So when the demands of status begin to bear down upon you because you have no track record of service, you will fold under the pressure. 1,900 churches close every year. Not because they don't have a good team. Not because they don't, they don't have all the, 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 the nuances of a great church. But it is to say that somewhere along the way, we may have mistaken status for service. Marriages. Businesses. Families crumble because we are looking for the status rather than the service. Here it is. You better learn how to serve them. Don't tell me how much you love me if you can't serve me. Don't tell me how much you into me and you about me. If there can be no service between us. We must make sure that we attend to us being servants and through our service we will become stewards. But not only that, here's the next thing. Built into every response to the gospel story is a unique mystery that has the power to turn hearts to God. He says that we ought to be stewards of the mysteries of God. Listen, the gospel message in itself is amazing and we love it and we honor it. But here's, here is what is hidden in the gospel message, your story. Because while, listen, it's enough to tell somebody that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again, and we're going to keep saying it till he come back. But what makes it even deeper, what makes it even richer, what makes it even greater is when you say, I was sinking deep in sin. And I was far from the peaceful shores, very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. You have to tell your story. Because there is an intrinsic mystery in your life. 
And that mystery needs to be revealed to somebody so that they understand that their mystery can be solved by the gospel. Here it is. Uh, if we're going to steward anything, first of all, we need to steward the mystery of God. We need to steward the gospel. And so my question is, I, I, I posted a, a video of, of, of one person, and, and my wife can attest to this. I used to watch him all the time when I was younger. Uh, uh, I loved him, and one of the reasons I loved him because he, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine how, how this white bishop had so many black people in his church. And so I was mesmerized by Bishop Dennis, Dennis Leonard, and, 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 and he passed earlier this week, and, and, I, and I looked at one of his, one of his old sermon clips, and, and he said, how many people are going to heaven because of you? It shook me. How, how, how many people will be able to stand at the gate and say, I'm here because somebody told me about you? And before I, 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 I thank God for, for the all in and I thank God for the offerings and I thank God for the builders we're going to build and I thank God for all the things we're going to do. But here's my question to you. Who's going to heaven because of you? Yeah, we're going to feed people. We're going to take people off the street. We're going to get people homes. We're going we're gonna to educate children and we're going to do, we're going to literally, we're, we're going to make an impact on the community. But are we really going to fill up heaven? And so we have to be stewards of the mystery. And you cannot allow yourself to be too disconnected from your mystery. Remember your story. Remember where you started. Remember what, what happened in your life. You need to be able to make that statement clear. At a moment's notice, if I say, when did you and Jesus meet? Most of us in heavenly vision, we got this similar story, and it's amazing. I love, I love the pilgrims that I pastor. Most of us got this amazing story that we've been in church all our lives. Come on. Most of us was born on a church pew, right? We were ushering and, and doorkeeping, and some of us were, you know. Listen, I, it, it, is a, it is amazing to me if I just polled this church and seen how many officers and, you know, church ministry workers we have in here. I mean, we, we, we trump tight. <laughs> No pun intended, I promise. Uh, but the reality is, is that many of us had that Samuel uh, experience. We were serving God, but didn't know him. And every time the Lord would speak to us, we would go to a lesser force. And so many of us have the same testimony that, you know what? It wasn't until about 2000 and such and such. And, and I heard this message. And I was, I, I, I was, I was, I left my old church and I, I hadn't found a church yet. And I, I seen, I seen this dude preaching and it, it pricked my heart. And then I started to really have a personal relationship with Jesus. Ask yourself, who is going to, to credit their introduction to Christ to you? We have to, we, we, we have to take that, that mystery and use the power of it to turn a heart back to God. Do you hear me, people of God? I, I, I need you to grab this and I need you to live, live in this reality. Because far too many times there is a rich mission field in our peripheral. But we miss it. Because we tend to diminish it. Listen to me. Some of us is the very people that we share a roof with. 
Some of us is the very people that we that, that we engage with every day at the job. Some of us is the people that are that are that follow us at school and we're trying to figure out why we got so many homies and and, and, and we, we we know we need to be pushed to more. I hear you, young person. I hear you, teenager, where you feel the unction of God to press you further. And when that girl is talking about that issue she had with the boy and you feel like telling her about Jesus, but you just say, you, you know, I'm you know, I, I hope it's gonna be all right. Stop suppressing the mystery, stop suppressing the gospel. Tell somebody. I know it sometimes at the job you feel like you just want to bust open and tell them, listen, tell them about Jesus. And if they fire you, guess what? He's Jesus. He'll give you another job. I'm sorry, Karen. I'm sorry. I'm yelling. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please. Listen, you have to become aware of the mystery that's in you. Because the way Jesus saved your life is amazing. I love my friends. I love my friends because I have some, I don't have a whole bunch of them, but I have a few friends. And, and I love how the Lord connects us on days where we didn't even think we were going to see each other. One of my brothers, I just connected with him and, and, and I, I didn't have my glasses on, so I didn't see him. So I just thought he was somebody talking to me. You know, and I was like, oh man, somebody didn't see me. It's my off day. It became my brother. We got to talking and it was just a blessed moment. And, and I began to just see his mystery and see how God worked in his life. And, and it, it strengthened my faith. There is a blessing in your mystery. So you have to steward that thing. You have to steward how God has moved in your life, how God has touched you, how God has changed you. And find your place. Find the space. Allow God to orchestrate a moment where you will be able to share the gospel in the context of your mystery. Here's what Jesus did for me. Here's how it happened for me. Because the truth of the matter is, most people in this day and age are done with sermons anyway. You come to get a sermon. Because you saved. But most people that God is calling you to save, they ain't trying to hear me. They ain't trying to hear me because I steal all the money, right? I sleep with all the women in the church. Come on, that's what we do. Come on. Come on. We, you know, we, I don't, we don't care nothing about the homeless. We don't care nothing about people. Now, they don't know me. But they Facebook know me. They they preachers of LA know me. You know, they 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 all all the all the stereotypes know me. And so I'm just another one of them. And I don't care. It don't matter to me, because they my people. They your people. And so you should care. You should care what they think about the gospel. If they never come to your church, did they come to your Christ? And you should manicure your life in such a way to where when they are run out of options, when they are at their wits end, they can look at you and say, what changed you? And you can answer, I'm so glad you asked. There is a man named Jesus. It's the longest point I got, but I, 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 got, I, got, I, I got to get this into you because I need you to hear this. It is your responsibility. The primary attribute of a steward of God is faithfulness. However, this faithfulness is not merely based on the fidelity of the steward, but on the faithfulness of the one who called him. I need you to understand your faithfulness is key in order for you to be a steward. God needs you to be faithful. God needs you to show up, not just show up to church, but show up in life. 
Show up in the space that you've been called to show up. Show up for the people that you need to show up for. Show up in your marriage. Show up in your relationship. Show up at your job. Show up at your school. Show up in the, in the spheres of influence that God has given you. Show up on Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's going to mean something on Tuesday. Because somebody already decided to check out. I, I, I rebuke that spirit because some, I hear some, yeah, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Somebody already, somebody already threw it their auntie. Before Thanksgiving, you didn't already said, I'm, I, I ain't for auntie stuff this year. No, pull it back, pull it back. Because that may be the moment, that may be the moment that God uses you to cut through all the BS and really have a heart moment. Why, why, while y'all sitting on the porch, while y'all in the back room, while y'all transitioning the kitchen, there might be a moment. I don't know if I can do this marriage no more. Girl, let me tell you about Jesus. Me, me and my husband went through the same thing. But let me tell you what he did for us. When we got in our word together, when I started praying for him. When I started being the woman that God called me to be, ah, brother, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can stand up. I don't know. I don't know. Man, let me tell you something. Ah, I, I knew what it's like not to have a job, bro. I know what it's like to be ready to give up on it all. But the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, I just started praying and I started reading and, and I, I, I just I just made up in my mind that I was going to commit to him. And he turned this thing around. You got you to gotta be faithful. You got to show up. But here's the beautiful thing I love about it. Even when we slack on our faithfulness, God is faithful. You got to know that and you got to live that as your reality. God is faithful. Here's what I love about God. Even when I put it up and it looked like it's not about to fall, he's right there. To slam it in. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but every one of your potential bricks, God is about to make it a basket because he wants you to know that he is faithful to you and he's faithful to what he called you to do. God is about to save it. Man, I don't know who needs to hear that. I feel the Holy Spirit impressing me to say, God is literally about to save it. You, 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 you see it getting ready to, to go off. But I hear the Lord saying, listen, I'm faithful to you. I love you. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I started this with you, and I'm going to end this. I hear him saying, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. And he that has begun a good work in you is faithful and just to complete it even until the day of Jesus Christ. So therefore, let us rise to the reality that we are faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. Serving him on this earth by sharing the gospel and blessings with humanity. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift you up and we thank you for being our faithful God. And now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you would enact a divine process whereby we will learn to be good stewards father god we want to be 
We want to be those that are found in service. We want to be those who are found properly handling the mysteries of God. We want to be faithful to you in every regard. And so, Father, we're believing you now in the mighty name of Jesus that we will no longer be thieves. <laughs> we will no longer be counterfeits, Father God, but we will be stewards. We declare in this house, we are stewards. We are stewards of the grace. We are stewards of the gospel. We are stewards of your glory. We are stewards of our gifts, Father God. We will be good stewards for you. For you are our creator. You are our, you are our master. And it is our good pleasure to serve you. And so we love you, we honor you, we bless you. We thank you that you're making these words that have been spoken reality to us this week. And we live in that in Jesus' name.